Ag State of Mind, episode 63. Welcome to Ag State of Mind, a podcast that examines the stresses affecting producers of agriculture and how to alleviate these stresses and improve farmers' lives. In this podcast, we discuss openly the mental health crisis that is occurring in the agricultural community and what we can do to help turn it around. Now here's your host, Jason Meadows. State of Mind podcast, a proud member of the Global Ag Network. I am your host, Jason Meadows, and today for the show, we go out to sunny Southern California and talk to my friend, Allie Fender. Allie is a rancher, a mother, a wife, a vet technician, and they are doing some really cool things with their ranch, the Fly and F Ranch in Southern California. Uh, we talk a little bit about the challenges of ranching in Southern California, um, how they've had to adjust and do some new things, and then we end up talking about our hashtag Run1000 Rest of the World team. If you've been following me along with me on social media, you'll know that that's something that I have started to promote pretty heavily lately. Um, I as it stands here today, I'm recording this intro on December 1st. So December, uh, I'm sorry, January 1st is when it goes live. And we, our goal is to be the first team where we're competing, uh, us, the rest of the world versus Wales, England, Scotland, and Ireland, and whoever, whichever team first to 1000 miles wins. So, um, we talk a little bit about that. It's a really cool thing, raising money for some mental health charity, uh, the do more agriculture foundation, uh, which had been previous guests and talked about lots on this podcast. So, all right, here we go with my episode with Allie Fender of the flying F ranch. All right, Allie Fender, welcome to the ag state of mind podcast. Thanks for coming on tonight. Thank you so much for having me, Jason. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, I almost called you Allison, but I did. I didn't. <laughs> I, I refrained because you, you when we were before we started recording, you said that that's what people call you when you're in trouble. So uh, I, I wanted yes. to keep it. I wanted to keep the mood Don't light scare here. Me. So I, I, I went ahead. <laughs> <laughs> I went ahead and called you Allie. <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> so for folks who you know, I. You and I have have followed one another on social media for for a little bit now, and we're both pretty familiar with one another's stories. But for whoever may be hearing you for the first time, why don't you let everyone know like where you are, what your operations what like, what your background is, and uh, we'll kind of go from there. You guys have a story, and I, I love to hear it. Well, thank you. Um, well, my family has resided in San Diego County in Southern California for a long time. From what I understand is my great-grandparents immigrated over to the United States in the late 1800s, early 1900s, somewhere around there. I'm not exactly sure, like, exact date. So we came from Switzerland, and uh, the whole reason we came over here was because my great-grandpa had cousins who were working on dairies in the Southern California region just uh, on a sponsorship, I guess, is what um, it was referred to at the time. And uh, so they needed family members to come over here and help out on the dairies. So it kind of started off with dairy farming. And I guess what they started off with was Holsteins, which was, you know, kind of, I guess, like the, you know, typical milk cow that you would see in production even nowadays. 
And then they kind of transitioned into doing Simmental cattle and a little bit of limousine and just kind of like slowly progressed into getting into um, dual purpose breeds. And then it eventually went to just straight beef. And um, when my grandpa and my grandma ended up taking over the ranch, um, they just went straight to beef and stole all the dairy cows just because dairy production was not going to, you know, sustain the family, uh, sadly. So um, we were one of the last dairies in San Diego to close down. And there is actually one more dairy still kicking right now. So so now we're just beef. And uh, that's kind of where my background starts. And um, I'm actually a fourth generation generation cattle producer now. I grew up doing 4-H and FFA. And that was kind of more my choice. I was kind of persistent about doing 4-H growing up. Uh, my dad never really wanted me to do 4-H because he was kind of forced to do it his entire life. So he wasn't like a huge fan of it. And I don't think he really wanted to do it all over again. <laughs> so I was persistent about it. And I I went ahead and started doing 4-H. And <laughs> I started off with just pigs for a while. And then as I got into high school, I did FFA and continued doing pigs. And I did some sheep and rabbits. And uh, never did beef because my dad, I was kind of like the final straw of not doing beef because he didn't want us to have to, you know, not take any vacations in the summer as a family and things like that. So that was kind of like my background with FFA and 4-H and, you know, just, it was just nice growing up on the ranch with family and having cousins around and, you know, it's not a bad life to live for sure. And San Diego um, ranching is just a different lifestyle in in and of itself. So I can't complain too much about that. And, uh, and yeah, that's kind of how that's kind of my background, I guess. Yeah, it's really incredible. And I, I, I find it I find it funny, the the whole thing with your your dad and the FFA and 4-H and how he was reluctant to it. Because I think there's two camps with that. For me, and like my family, mm-hmm. we did it and it was a thing like it was like almost like a rite of passage for us. Like it's just a generational thing. Everybody does it, so you do it. But we all enjoy it too, you know. And it was just. But there is the other side of it, like your dad, where they remembered how much work it was for them growing up that they didn't want to go through that again. And you know, to be honest, when it, when you're on the parent side of it, it's it's yeah. even harder work to do it on that side of it than, than it was when you're actually the one doing the showing and exhibiting. Yeah, exactly. I think he just wasn't looking forward to parent showmanship. <laughs> <laughs> do they have that? Do you guys have that at the fair? Oh yeah. And it was a whole thing. Like you had to dress up your parents and like there's dads wearing tutus and you know, just being silly basically. But yeah, I'm sure he just didn't really want to do that. Oh gosh. I see. <laughs> I, I wish we would do that. We haven't done that. I, I know my, uh, my friend Holly Spangler, she's over in just next to me in Illinois. And I know at their fair, they do that. And I thought it looked like a hoot. We would have a lot of fun. I've been, uh, we were going to talk about possibly doing it at this pa- this year's past fair, but uh, there was, you know, we didn't have a real fair, but that's, that's a different conversation. But uh, I hope we, I hope that's something that we yeah. do where the parents kind of come oh, in yeah. and, and do a show, parents uh, senior showmanship. I think is what they call it, and uh, have some fun with that. But uh, oh, my gosh, how funny! Yeah. Well, anyway, so you, you touched on this a little bit, and you, I, <laughs> you should totally bring it up. Yeah, 
Um, you, t- you touched on this a little bit and I, it's something I want to <laughs> spend some time on. And I think it's, it's really because when I think of San, you, you know, you ranch it in San Diego County. And when you think of San Diego, you, you only think of San Diego. You think of, you think of military, you think of the beach, you think of palm trees, you city, you know, you just, you think of that normal surfing, the, the Southern California vibe. Yeah. To me, and I think a lot of people outside the area, cattle ranching is like the last thing on their mind when it, when they think about that part of the country. So, I mean, what is it like doing that there? What is it like having an operation there? Because, I mean, it's there's so much, there's so many complexities that someone like myself who's in the middle of Missouri wouldn't have right. to deal with. No, you, you have a good point there. It is really tough because... Yeah, you do. When you do think of San Diego, you think of like, you know, surfing and being at the beach and going to SeaWorld and, you know, all that kind of stuff, all the tourist attractions and the pretty city and everything, which is great. And it and it is beautiful. But, you know, our operations only an hour outside of San Diego. It's not too far away. There are other beef operations and other farms and ranches and things like that surrounding San Diego, but it's not like super duper popular. Like you said, it's not something that you really consider or even think about. I mean, for example, I remember going to college and uh, when I would tell people I'm from San Diego, people didn't really believe me because, you know, a lot of the kids I went to school with were from the city San Diego and they were like, I thought you were from like Texas or whatever, because you grew up on a ranch. So it's just like, yeah, it's totally different. (laughs) But I mean, it makes it a little bit tough because, you know, there's just no middle ground. So it's a lot of like trying to educate people and, you know, trying to share the story and the background and how how we do things as a ranching family uh, locally, which um, I get, you know, a lot of like raised eyebrows and, you know, there's a lot of misconceptions out there. And I just like try to do my best to. I guess just, you know, share my story and try to be as honest as possible. And I think that's kind of, you know, how, how you have to do it in order to, you know, connect to that level with people that just don't understand. And I mean, for example, I have, this is one of my favorite analogies and I, I don't, I've heard this somewhere and it was probably on a podcast and I cannot remember where I've heard it, but I related to it so much because it just makes so much sense to me. And it would be like taking me and dropping me off in the middle of San- uh, in the middle of New York City and saying like go figure out how to go use a subway. And that's how I feel like a lot of the city people in San Diego feel when you know when it comes to ranching or beef or anything that has to do with livestock it's just like completely not in the re- realm of what they are, you know, familiar with. So I just try my best to be, you know, as friendly as possible and try my best to, you know, just get that connection level with them. So I think you're in a really great position to be in. And I think it's something we should all as livestock producers be fortunate enough to to kind of be in a situation because you are in a situation where you're, what you're doing is often challenged and it's often sometimes I don't want to say look down upon, but it's definitely misunderstood. So to be kind of directly, because conf- even for me, yeah. so I'm about an hour and a half 
hour and 45 minutes outside of St. Louis. But it's it, St. Louis, it's, it's still the Midwest. It's still somewhere that is, you know, I mean, there's grain elevators in St. Louis. Uh, St. Louis is traditionally very, especially in row crops, very uh, much involved in the row crops and then in, in, in livestock too, to an extent. Um, so it's not that unheard of or not something that is too foreign to people. But in South, Southern California, I mean, that's just that it's not like that. So you are always, I mean, I know you do live in a small town, but you are still very, very close to, to that area um, where people just don't understand it at all. And you're in a fortunate position, I feel like, to really kind of practice what you preach and tell people about your operation and really being as honest and transparent as possible. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I, I just, I do take pride in that because I feel like, you know, there's a lot of, especially older generation ranchers and I'm not saying everybody, but it's common for the older guys to, you know, be a little bit secretive, I guess. I don't know if that's the right word, but um, just like kind of more quiet and not wanting to share anything because they're fearful that they're going to be, you know, I don't know, just like verbally abused or like turned in or something, you know, like they're like afraid of, you know, sharing too much information, which I think is part of the reason why there's a big disconnect, especially locally um, here in San Diego. I know that it's a problem probably anywhere in the U.S. or anywhere in the world, but I just think like it's important to be transparent and to, you know, share your own story and cause you know, your own story the best. So I just think it's a, it's a good way to, you know, like I said, just to connect to that person's level and just not to like, what's the right word, I guess, just, you know, bring, bring it to terms to, you know, people that just want to listen and want to understand because a lot of times, I mean, I don't want to listen to anybody that's like trying to like force things down my throat. So I just try to, you know, if people want to know, I'm happy to talk about it. And if people don't want to know, then that's totally fine too. Yeah. And, you know, there's, there's going to be people who aren't going to agree with your lifestyle, aren't going to do the understand things at all. And it, that's fine. But there are people who are genuinely curious and it, it's nice to be able to answer those questions right away and be and be in a position to do that because uh, I think a lot of people miss out on that opportunity. And we've talked about that before where people are just, they're, like you were talking about, they're genuinely scared of like a gotcha moment or, uh, you know, being set up in some way. And I mean, to be fair, that there's been the fair share of that actually happening. But I think I think there are more than not there right. are people who are genuinely curious about what in your in your case uh, what cattle ranching looks like, especially in Southern California. And you know you have a great opportunity to to be able to showcase that. Yeah, no, hundred percent, I agree. So talk about your brand. For me, branding we don't have brands here. We're we're just like we're I think we're the furthest west that don't that we don't we don't brand our cattle by law. And oh, some wow. people still do. Yeah, I know. It's so funny how different an industry is across the across the country. We don't do it. We just don't do it. And I talked with Kaya Twisselman on a previous episode and she moved to Kentucky for a while, which Kentucky and Missouri are culturally very similar. And she was talking about how she, uh -huh. when she was working for the Kentucky Beef Council, she never got invited to a branding and she couldn't figure out why. Well, 
we don't do it. <laughs> we just don't. And oh. I mean, I, I oh, guess well, it's probably, <laughs> yeah. And I, I, I don't know I, I, as far as why, I mean, I probably should know this. I didn't understand it because, you know, you don't, until you get out and understand more people in the same industry as you, you don't really like get what's happening. And we're kind of going off on a tangent here, but it was the first time, interest, interestingly enough, the first time I really realized how different the the industry is from where you are is when I was in San Diego at that NCBA convention. And I sat in a room with some guys from uh, one guy from New Mexico, one guy from Utah, one guy from Colorado, and they they started talking about water rights and, you know, fighting for water, fighting the government for water. And I, I said, water, like the water comes from the sky. I mean, it's like so plentiful where I'm at. We have a problem with too much water here. I mean, we get an, uh, on an average year, we get like 50 inches of rain. And I, I never, I couldn't understand that. And, wow. you know, so then they got to talking about how they got like, you know, 10, 14, maybe 20 inches of rain a year. And, you know, water is something that's a huge fight for people that's out wild. West. And I don't, and I don't yeah. think, I mean, I think people who are a little bit, you know, get out and talk to people, they're realized, but I think for the most part, people here in the, especially in the Missouri's kind of an in-between state where it's, it's both a Midwestern and a Southern state, just culturally and, and, and topographically, but like we get so much rain and so much, it's just something we just totally take for granted. I know you people out West, I mean, like you would, you would die to have the issues with rain that we do. Oh, I know. I would be so happy if I had rain right now. I think I'm pretty sure San Diego, like an average year is 10 inches. That's crazy. That's crazy to me. We, I mean, we got, uh, we got seven it inches is. in like, that's why we're, we're always on fire. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. We got seven inches in like a span of like a week, two weeks wow. ago, you know? So, I mean, like 10 inches, we could get 10 inches in a week if I mean, and some over. Yeah. Right. I w- right. I mean, I really, <laughs> I wish we could, I do wish we could sometimes, <laughs> but you know, <laughs> anyway, sorry, we yeah. got to get off on a tangent there. And I, I want to talk about your brand because your brand is, is awesome. <laughs> I think, I think it's one of the coolest brands I've ever heard. And as you know, and, but I have a sticker of your brand Aww. on my everyday car and on my, on my cooler too. Like I, I, I love yeah. it and I think it's so cool. And I, oh, yeah. I think it's, it's a, it's a <laughs> great story where it came from and, and you know, how you guys got started. Uh, so, so share that story with everybody. Yeah. Okay. So, um, my husband and I met in high school, we're high school sweethearts. And we actually went to college kind of together too in San Diego. And shortly after college, two weeks after college, after we graduated and everything, we got married at the ranch that I grew up on. And my dad gifted us was 10 heifers and they were just Angus cross heifers. So we were super thankful to start off our own operation with those 10 head and that was about six years ago. So they are mama cows now, nice and mature. And we started um, trying to contemplate on a different idea on how to diversify our business and our operation and how we can kind of um, just do something a little bit different than what has been traditionally done in my family. Because usually what we typically do is take cattle to um, an auction yard and just sell them there. And then we get our 
paycheck in the mail a week or so later. And that's kind of the end of the deal. So we wanted just, to see. Just curious, where's where's the closest stockyards at? Um, there, it's about two and a half hours away with a loaded trailer. It's in um, okay. Chino. So I don't know if you know where Chino is, but it's just a little north of us. A roundabout. Mm -hmm. See, again, I, I, we're 10 minutes from our stockyard. Oh, that must be nice. <laughs> Right. <laughs> my, my dad actually used to own them long, you know, for many years. So. Oh, yeah. But anyway, sorry. I guess it's the perks of living in San Diego and having cows. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> we all have challenges, right? Yeah. No, totally. But, you know, it is what it is. <laughs> so that's kind of what we have always done. And Bryce and I kind of wanted to do something different. And along with that, I found uh, some good support in uh, being involved in the M5 small business entrepreneurs community that's run through Five Mary's Farms. And so I started those courses and it was all directed towards people who are starting off a business selling meat direct to consumer. So it's all about marketing, all about, you know, getting your, your meat set up, ready to go for shipping if you decide to ship and just all the logistics that goes into it. So um, I went ahead and did that course, and about a year ago, we decided to branch out and start our own business. So we had, we wanted to call it Flying F Ranch because that is what our brand is. And um, the backstory on our brand is it is a spinoff off of my grandpa's brand. And like you were discussing earlier, I, I didn't know this, but I guess only half of the country <laughs> brands their cattle. So when you select your brand, you basically just doodle things on paper and you send three options to the state brand inspector or whatever it is, and they send you back what they pick for you. So you pick three things and then they send something back. And um, we were doodling on the couch for weeks and we decided on a couple different options. And one of those options was the Flying F. And the story behind the Flying F is our last name's Fender, so we wanted an F in there somehow, or like an A and a B and an F or something like that. So I don't remember what our other two doodles were, but the um, Flying F came back. And in branding talk, a lot of brands have different like names or meanings behind it, like different markings mean different things. And just the two little dashes are wings on a brand. And uh, my grandpa's brand is a flying seven on a lazy bar, which is kind of like a, a sideways S. And so that's kind of where it got inspired from. And then when we got our brand papers back, it was the Flying F. So that's how we started the Flying F brand. And then we started our Flying F ranch business. And this past year, we just started selling our beef in August. So, so we sold four steers and we just sold locally. We just want to do live sales for, to start just so that we can kind of get our feet wet and kind of figure out, you know, what we need to improve on and, you know, what we did right, what we did wrong, things like that. And then the other benefit to that is I loved having the butcher there to help us, you know, process everything. He was super knowledgeable and it was just like a great way to connect with our consumers too. Cause I, I shared a lot of that with the buyers if they were interested in it. So, so we did all that. And then going back to the sticker thing, we wanted to kind of have like a little slogan or something that goes with our, with our business. And so we, my husband Bryce came up with it and he said, I want it to say, I give a flying F about beef. And I'm like, <laughs> yes, that's what I want too. <laughs> because first of all, 
is totally like resembles us because I mean, we're no angels when we talk. <laughs> I'll try my best, but you know, and it, it just like screams passion for like what we do. And, you know, it's kind of a fun play on words and people get a kick out of it. And so we started making some stickers and we made hats. And then we were thinking about trying to make some sweatshirts maybe in the in the winter time right now. So that's kind of where the whole Flying F thing came about. I think it's a cool story. Now, now Bryce, was, was, did he grow up in agriculture? I, I, I don't know if I've no, ever, he did No, not at all. He um, grew up in San Diego in a place called Del Mar. And if you know San Diego... Um, Del Mar is where the Del Mar racetracks are for like the super fancy thoroughbred horses that, you know, it's one uh-huh, of the main racetracks. Uh-huh. So he grew up like his house, he can see the racetrack. So he was a, you know, a beach boy, I guess you could say for, I mean, he, he left San Diego or left Del Mar when he was in fourth grade. So he doesn't really quite remember everything about it, but we always like to joke. I'm like, what, what would you be doing if you were still like a Del Mar boy? You'd probably be like a surfer or like a total like hipster or something like that. But, but no, he's Cowboy Bryce and he hunts deer and he, he I, he got morphed into the, the mountain life. <laughs> yeah. So let, let's talk about that because I mean, I think a lot, if, okay, for me and uh, here a lot, it's the opposite. Mm-hmm. And I didn't intend to talk on this because I didn't know this. It's the opposite in where the the wife comes into a farm or ranch mm-hmm. and she's the one that ha- kind of has to adapt to the lifestyle. But for you guys, it's opposite. And I find that really interesting because I... I don't know if I've ever even really talked to anyone where that was the case. So what's it been like for him to, because I mean, we all know that it's a way of life. It's, it's, it's either a, you are in it or you're not Mm -hmm. type of thing. And what was it like for him to adjust to that? You know, he is a trooper and he, I feel like he just always had that kind of, you know, heart to be in something like agriculture, like more rural. Um, he's just like that. I cannot imagine him being like a city boy, quote unquote. But he, um, and like I said, he grew up in Julian, which is our small town for the most part. So I don't mm-hmm. think he really knows any different. But I mean, that being said, he didn't really, his parents didn't have any animals other than like dogs and cats and stuff like that. So when he met me, I don't know if it was much of a culture shock because I don't really remember him ever and I, I feel like I've known him my whole life because I, I mean, I've been dating slash married more over half of my life, <laughs> which is weird to think, but he's always been like a, like just kind of a natural with it. So I don't know. It's just, I, and he enjoys it. He is a lot more, he's very factual and very research based and he will take his time, like, you know, doing the time to get all the research done and figuring out exactly how he's going to like go about things. So this whole beef business stuff, I'm like the complete opposite. Like, I'm like, let's do it now. We need to do this. We need to do that. And he's like, whoa, 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 like pump the brakes. We need to, you know, I want to like get our genetics right before we start selling like retail cuts. I want to, you know, like he thinks harder about it than I do. And I just like, kind of just want to like do things. So I think it's like a good balance for us because it's just, it just works out because so far we're doing okay. <laughs> uh, you, I'm, people can't see that I'm, I'm just like smiling because it's that way for us, for sure, only the opposite. <laughs> and I, I feel like I talk about that a lot. Like I'm the more eccentric, more, 
I don't want to say creative because I don't feel like I'm super creative, but um, I'm definitely the one to take more risks. Definitely the one who like gets out over his skis a little bit more and carries the one that's kind of got to reel me back in and like mm-hmm. brings me back to reality. And it's good. It's, it's good to have people in them. And I think that's a great way to have a successful marriage is when you both contribute something to that side of things. One's more outgoing, one's more a go-getter. The other one is a little bit more practical and reserved. And you, know, you mm-hmm. feed off of each other. And I think it makes for a, a really vibrant and interesting marriage, especially especially when you're in agriculture, especially when you're dealing with livestock, because let's say they're both like let's say they're let's say the married couples like me and you like we're both eccentric we're both out there we're both the ones that are like you know we have nobody to reel us in you know that yeah. could be a problem right that could be so, scary yeah, yeah that could be a problem so <laughs> it's it's good to have that and i think it's good that in in any married relationship but especially when you're dealing with with animals and stuff because you know it could get you in trouble otherwise and it, and it does get people in trouble yeah, for sure. I, I do think it's really nice to have that balance. And I think it's good that because I do push him a little bit, like we need to do this or we need to do that. And he needs that. And then he tells me like, you need to slow down, you need to slow down. And then I need that too. So I think it's nice that we can like both like, you know, do that and not hurt each other's feelings at the same time. Because, you know, sometimes that doesn't go well over, you know, other relationships, but I think it worked out okay for us. <laughs> Yeah, you're able to be super honest with one another and you know, we're we're the same way. Like I always tell everybody that like Carrie's my biggest fan, but she's also my harshest critic. So Yo, um, that sounds but- exactly like Bryce. <laughs> <laughs> so it's good to have though. Like it's great to have that in a relationship because it like I said, it just it makes it more complete and more balanced. And I mean, I for one just think that that's great. So you guys are, are you ranching sort of alongside your, your folks? Is that um, like, or are you guys totally off on your own? We are totally off on our own. And I think it's good because I have, well, my dad and I are very similar personality wise. Like we're both very stubborn Mm -hmm. and we both are like my way or the highway. So working together would probably not be a good idea. (laughs) So, and, you know, like I kind of mentioned earlier, he is an older generational rancher and a lot of the older generational ranchers are kind of set in their ways, which is completely fine. Like, I don't really have a problem with that, but they don't have any sort of drive to like learn anything new or seek for advice or even like ask what I think about anything. So I think it's nice that we have that diversion because it's something that Bryce and I can focus on and it's our little baby, you know? And I, I mean, it's funny that you say that too, because just recently he's been a little bit more like, so how much are you making selling beef? Like what, how how do you do that? Like, he's kind of like asking me more. So, um, he has asked me like, Hey, can you look for grain tanks? Like I'm kind of interested in maybe feeding out some steers. And so I think it's cool that I can kind of be like a little bit of an influence to him, even though he doesn't want to admit it, (laughs) but, but yeah, so I'm doing my own thing and my dad's doing his own thing. And that's just kind of how we're rolling right now. (laughs) Oh, I think that's great. I think it's, I think, I think that's, uh, that's amazing. You know, things 
for here, I mean, for better or worse, they're not as separate as you guys are, but you know, there's, there's advantages and disadvantages to that. And I think you really pointed out the advantages to where you can kind of strike out on your own. You don't have anyone to really dictate your decisions other than yourself. And I mean, that's a very freeing thing. And I, I, it's, that's, it's a great, it's a great way to like, to do what you're doing, doing things, being more creative with how you're uh, contributing with, uh, you know, trying to grow your, grow the direct to consumer. So, I mean, I think that's the, the niche, the, I think that's the place where a lot of the beef industry is going. And I think it's Mm -hmm. a great thing that you're doing. Well, thank you. I think it's it's just interesting. And I love that so many beef producers and really all kinds of livestock producers are, you know, jumping on that bandwagon. And I think it's important because like I was mentioning at the beginning, it's important for us to all share our stories. And I think that's a really good way to share our story with the public and a better way for them to understand at our level. And I think it's a good way to just, you know, share what exactly we do on the day to day. And we're not, we're, we, we really care about our animals. We really care about the people we're feeding and, you know, it's a whole circle of life. And that's kind of, you know, what I want to, you know, demonstrate in our business and to the community that follows us. So you, you kind of led into this really nice. And I wanted to talk about, and I think you, this is from what I remember, right from our previous conversations, how you butcher is butcher comes to site, correct? Mm -hmm. Yes. And like that is uh, to me getting to see that on your social media is, is really valuable. And I think it's really, uh, to me, I find a lot of entertainment in it because, uh, I, I am fascinated. I mean, I, I work in medic, I work in medicine, I work, you know, uh, the body. So, I mean, anatomy was my favorite subject in school. So to see uh, a beef carcass that you're cutting up and seeing all the muscle and fat and connective tissue on there I th- is super fascinating to me. So mm-hmm. how did you come? Because we, we have, there's a few of those around here that do that, but it, it, it's, it's kind of scarce. So how did you come into that and why do you do it that way? Um, well, that way, well, first of all, I did it that way because they're the closest USDA processor to us to take our beef and have it USDA certified and have it all wrapped up for retail cuts is about six to seven hours away. It's in central California. So, so yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's like, it's kind of like a juggle of like, is it worth taking our beef all the way up there? And then is it worth going back up there to go get it and bring it back? Like, is it worth our money? Is it worth our time? Like, I don't want to like overprice our beef and then it's not good. Like, I don't, you know, it's kind of like one of those things. So we wanted to start small and start locally and kind of like see how it goes. So, so I started reaching out to several different butchers in the area and growing up here and doing 4-H and FFA, I knew of some already And I know of some that have, you know, done our own animals in the past and stuff. So I reached out to, I think it was four different mobile butchers that are pretty local, like within an hour. And this was pre-COVID. So I was planning this probably in like February. And I got a hold of everybody, like got different prices, kind of like decided on how uh, or on who I wanted to use, depending on, you know, different criteria and whatnot. And I ended up picking a local gentleman who is in Ramona, which is about half an hour away from where I live. 
and he was a amazing butcher. He, I loved how he did the whole process and everything. Um, basically what happened was he, he said, I'm going to be there before the sun's up. You're going to feed the steer in the same spot every day. He's going to be separate from his, from his friends. Cause they were all together. There's just four of them together. So, um, separate him from his friends like a week or so before, so that he's kind of used to being by himself, feed him in the same spot every single day where we're going to do it. And then I'm going to show up and we're going to, you know, uh, humanely harvest him. And then that's it. And so his whole thing was like, no stress, like keep it like super calm, super quiet, easy going and just like get the job done. So the first steer we did, I, I followed his rules and he came shot him and it was done in like the, like in a blink of an eye and I was just like it was amazing because I I started crying I'm like oh my god like that wasn't like I was crying tears of joy because it was just like so fast and he was just eating his breakfast you know like he had no idea yeah. so it was just like amazing and so from then on I was like I want to kind of share this with people because like to me and growing up in this like I've never really like witnessed it like that and luckily my butcher too was like very informative throughout the whole process like I was like in there helping him and um, like holding legs open for him and all that kind of stuff so I learned a lot and I just kept asking him questions and he was like all right asked him like do you mind if I take video and he's like no not at all like I have a YouTube channel like I do this all the time and I'm like okay, well, let's, let's video this. So then he started like, you know, letting me take videos of what he was doing and he would like explain different things and like, kind of like show like fun facts or fun little tricks and stuff. And, uh, people loved it. And I was just sharing it on my stories really to start. And I actually have a highlight of it on my, on our little ranch page on Instagram. So yeah, that's kind of how it started. And I had like random people reach out to me like, this is so cool. Like I'm really into this. And like, I didn't know that. And like, I love how, like how humane this is. And I just think it like opened up like a big door for, you know, just like the average person to just like sit and watch. Cause like a lot of people that follow me are people from San Diego or like people I went to school with in San Diego that just like are not familiar. And I did like give little warnings before, like I started just like shooting, like the steer being, you know, processed. I'm like, Hey, if you're, you know, if you're a little queasy with blood, we're about to harvest a steer. So just skip over this if you don't want to watch it. Like, I feel like it's fair to give a little warning because, you know, some people can't handle it, which is totally fine. But the people that sure. did want to yeah. see were like super like thankful that I went ahead and did that. So I just kept doing it every week until we were done. And people were like, is it over? Like, when are you going to do more steers? Like, I want to watch this. So it was just kind of like a cool and unique experience and I learned a ton and I just think like it's something that, you know, connects us back to like old traditional ways and, you know, where our, our meat actually comes from. Like I saw it happen from start to finish and now I'm feeding families locally and, you know, they love it. So it's just like a cool whole like circle and it just like makes me so proud that, you know, that we did it for the first time this year. Yeah, it's a it, it's it's a really cool feeling. We do it about at the same scale as you guys do, as far as as numbers are concerned. And it's it's a really great feeling to be able to know that you brought something that was born here on your place, and it's going to feed people who you care about. And you guys take it one step closer, and it's actually harvested right there. Yeah, at where it was. I mean that. I mean that is 
incredible. And I think it's something I, I think I, I feel like it's something that some people should take notice of because it's it's really the the ultimately humane way to do it. And you know, Temple Grandin talks about this, about humane animal slaughter and humane animal treatment and how we owe it to the animals to give them not only a good life, but also a peaceful death because mm-hmm. they are giving us so much. They're giving us so much, you know, obviously the meat, but there's so much medicine and products. Right. I mean, you can you can look at a at a, at a chart of a cow and the yep. things, of things. I mean, just it's 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 incredible the things that come from a bovine that you just don't even realize. And but we, you know, so I mean, they give us so much, and we owe it to them to do things as as humane as possible. And you you're doing that. And I think that, you know, you need to be commended for that because it's really important. I think, and I think people take notice of that. And I I think it's going to be increasingly more important to people as we move forward. Yeah, definitely. No, it's, it is very honorable and it's like, it just makes me, like I said, it just brings joy to us. And I'm just happy to be able to do it humanely for the animals and also be able to feed families. And that's ultimately like our goal for our whole business is just to, you know, be as kind to the animals and kind to the people as possible. Yeah, for sure. So we're drawing to the end here and I do want to talk about, this is something you and I are doing together and this is the the run 1000 challenge. And it's something where, and it was put together by a lot of my friends over in, in Ireland and, and, and the UK. And we are raising money through miles, through running miles for the, each, each country. There's five, there's five countries. There's Wales, England, Scotland, Ireland, and then the rest of the world. The rest of the world by default is mostly Americans. I think there's some Canadians and Australians participating, but we are each raising money for our our respective charities. We're actually donating to the Do More Agriculture Foundation. And uh, so we wanted to, I think both of us wanted to take the opportunity to talk about this just for a brief second. And you know, that if you want to join us in any way to please do, because something yeah. you and I are doing together, we, you were the, one of the first person people I talked to in doing this. And uh, it's going to be really exciting because I love competition for a good cause, right? Oh yeah. And I'm just competitive by nature. So I just want to like run as much as I can yeah. <laughs> until my legs fall off. Cause I just want to beat everybody else. Yeah, I'm, I'm the same way. I'm the same way, and uh, it's it, it's going to be like. And I didn't realize it when we started this, but it, the the competition is going to be taking place in January, and like the cold. I mean, I was thinking about that too, and I'm like, darn it, because we just got rid of our treadmill because it kind of died. So I'm a little bummed about that, but I guess I mean I live in sunny su- Southern California, right? yeah, and I, don't hear you I guess 40 <laughs> degrees is so cold for oh me, gosh, but yeah. I will do it. <laughs> I'll so put on my I, earmuffs. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I'll be I would I would die to have 40 degrees in January. But uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it gets a little well, colder, but yeah. yeah, 40 degrees would be cold for me, right. <laughs> I think. <laughs> well, I just think it's I, I think it's cool that we're able to kind of connect 
and and come together for a great cause like that and you know and i've talked about this a lot in that running for me has been like the place where I've found myself like it's like the reason I'm gotten so much better in regards to uh, taking care of myself and cards to my mental health and I think a lot of people would share that sentiment and mm-hmm. it, it it just makes me a better person so like I feel like this is a, an appropriate thing for me to do in in kind of like highlighting that yeah, for sure. No, I agree a hundred percent. I think, I mean, I started running in college cause I played soccer. So, I mean, by nature we had to run a lot and, um, mm-hmm. I just started, I like just running straight for a long time. So I just started running like that. And then part of my workout routine for when I was getting married, I wanted to look good. So I just decided I'm going to train for a half marathon. So I did. And I totally loved running and I didn't really realize I did until I just like really like focused and started doing it. So it is a really good cause and it's a really good way to motivate, you know, everyone to, you know, get up on, on their feet and, you know, just get outside and be happy and do it with a group of people and, you know, connect with people all over the world. And I think it'll be, it'll be a really cool time in January. So I'm, I'm looking forward to that. It's a great way to start the year. Yeah. And I, I, it's, and it's, uh, to combine those two things like running and ag mental health, like two things that I like love and I'm super passionate for. Yeah. It's just like best of both worlds. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm so, uh, Will Evans was the one who started putting it together and I'm very thankful that he thought of, of me. And then we were able, you and I were able to come together on it. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be a really cool thing. Yeah. I didn't even realize that so many people ran like in ag, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I, I feel same. like a lot of I, people that you, you interview, I'm like, wow, why is everybody running? It's just kind of funny that it's like a common thing. <laughs> Yeah, I know it's, and I didn't until we ran a half, my first half marathon was last year, 2019. That's when I started running and like, I haven't stopped since because it's just been so good for me. And like something that happened to me, like I I've had back issues and, uh, it has, I, I was, I was worried about how, how it would affect my back. My back has never felt better then after I, since I started running mm-hmm. and I, I just think it's just loosening yeah. up that, you know, it just kind of loosens up everything. And it just, I mean, if you run right and you, you know, don't overdo it and, but still enough to get a good workout, it's, it's incredible for you. Yeah, for sure. I just like to get lost when I'm running, like I'll be running and I'll be, usually I'm like listening to music or a podcast or something. And it's just like, you just kind of like get in the zone and you're kind of like in your own little world and, I run, I like to run outside. So I, you know, there's always like, oh, there's the cows and oh, look, there's some deer and oh, look at the pretty sunset. So it's just like a nice way to like unwind and just, you know, you know, just like get in shape and be happy and it's good for you. <laughs> I, I used to talk about deer this morning on my run. I saw the, I mean, I saw the prettiest 12 point buck that, that you have. And of course, deer season starts here in on Saturday. I, he'll never show up then, <laughs> right? When it's actually uh, time to time to hunt. But uh, I mean, I would just—it's just—it's remarkable the things you actually can see once you out and go out and do that stuff like that. I know it's cool. It's like you're like one with nature, right? <laughs> so, 
I want to give you the opportunity. Where can, what's the best way for people to find you online and just anything else that we may have missed? Um, okay, so you can find um, us online at Flying F Ranch for Instagram. And um, that's our ranch page. I also have a personal page, and that's Flying F Ranch Wife. And if you want to go on our website, it's flyingfranchwife.com. And the flying doesn't have a G on the end for that and for my personal account. And yeah, that's pretty much where you can find us. And we are also on Facebook at Flying F Ranch. Cool. We'll link all that in the show notes so people can reach out to you if they so please. So, all right. Sounds good. Allie, it was awesome talking to you tonight. We had some technical issues. We had some (laughs) scheduling issues, the both of us. I know. Oh, well. We made it work, right? We made it work. It's all good. (laughs) I can't complain. It's all good. Right, right. Well, I appreciate your time tonight. And like I tell, I've told you before, your, your social is some, is one of my favorite pages on Instagram. So Aww, um, that means a lot. I, I, I keep it up. It's, it's, it's fun to follow along with you guys. We didn't even talk Aww. about your kids either. So, Oh, my kids are so fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, they're great. They're, they're very entertaining on that, on the Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> they just, they, they just get like, it it just it keeps on you know i remember your kids are younger than mine and i remember mine being that age and like man are they ever going to grow up and then they do and then you wish they were young again younger. i know people keep telling me that so i'm trying really hard to like not think that way like you know i'm trying to enjoy it but it is a little Dude, stressful like, sometimes <laughs> i know i know it is i mean i know it is it, it those days like you never thought it was going to end but now like for us it's gone like our young our youngest is seven you know he's not the cute little baby anymore and it's kind of sad (laughs) it is sad I know people keep asking if I'm gonna have another one I'm like I you know it's a little soon for me right yeah (laughs) my youngest one's two but I'm like ah I don't know I don't know I'm not ready yet. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> four was good. Like everybody has their their limit. Four was definitely ours. So. <laughs> oh man, I can't imagine twice as much. That's a lot. Yeah, yeah it is. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie. Just hope you don't have twins like we did. We had twins oh, in the middle there. Oh. That was. That would probably happen to me. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, watch it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I'll try. <laughs> All right. Well, Allie, I appreciate your time. Appreciate everything. All right. Thank you, Jason. I appreciate you and keep up doing what you're doing because what you're doing is really making a difference. And I, I just can't thank you enough for what you do. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Really, I do. Have a good night. Okay, you too. Thanks for listening to Ag State of Mind. We hope this episode has encouraged you. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Ag State of Mind. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or Spotify so you never miss an episode. See you next week.